Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step Journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Hello, I'm Chris Maxwell, and I'm having a conversation with my friend Tracy Reynolds. Uh, Tracy uh, was um, thinking recently about a text message that uh, was received from a friend who listens uh, to our podcast every week, and they made this statement to me, and I think it's appropriate to start with this, related to our guest today and the, and the title of his book. Um, my friend texted me and said, um, Pastor Chris, you reminded me again that I do not have to do ministry alone. Mm. Yeah, thank so, God. And that's yeah. a part of our conversation. That's why you and I do this. We want people to move from the singular to the plural. That's right. Be a part of a team, of a family. And uh, I'm excited because our guest today believes in that also, and he's going to help us uh, hear from his story and learn ways that we can do that well. That's great. Mm. Well, we are honored to have Shell Osborne with us. He's uh, the lead pastor of Life Church in Smyrna, Georgia. Uh, since 1986, he served churches and the Assemblies of God specifically throughout Louisiana and Georgia. So he brings that hot sauce to us. There here. you go. He's been a youth pastor, a worship leader, business administrator, senior associate pastor, and now lead pastor. In addition to his pastoral duties, uh, Shell has also been privileged to serve the Georgia Assemblies of God as the Metro Atlanta Regional Presbyter. And he's also authored a that's not a brand new book, but it's still new, right? You said it came out really on your new. birthday. It's called yeah. It's Not Good for Leaders to Lead Alone. And mm-hmm. I just finished it this morning. So okay. that's a confession for you. Wonderful. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. Welcome to the podcast, Shell. Thank you so much, Dr. Reynolds and Pastor Chris. It's good to be with you guys. Um, our friendship goes back many years, and I am so grateful for... Uh, the times when we could fellowship, whether it be on the phone or text messaging, emailing, or or sitting down today like this. It's a real joy to be with you guys. Yeah, well, it's a joy to us. And uh, thanks again for the for the positive difference you're making. We'll talk more about uh, some of the ways you've made that difference. But but please know that you have. You've made a, an impact in your community and, and around the world. And Tracy and I are just excited about this conversation. Absolutely, man. Well, tell us a bit about how we got to be sitting at this table together, man. I love to throw that question out there, man. So tell us a bit about Shell Osborne. Sure. Well, my first encounter with either of you guys goes back to a phone conversation many years ago. Pastor Chris, I'm not sure you'll remember this, but you called me with a reference on a young man that you were considering for a staff position, Mm. uh, Keith Brumbelow. And we talked over the phone. You were in... Florida Orlando. at the yeah, time, yeah, and uh, you were looking to hire someone for maybe a youth pastor's position. I don't right. recall the role, but nevertheless, we we got acquainted over the phone talking about my dear friend Keith Brumbelow, and uh, he and his sister Claire wrote one of the uh, forwards in my book okay. that Dr. Reynolds has referenced on behalf of their dad, who unfortunately has encountered some significant health issues, and so they became his voice uh, in the forward for my book but longtime dear friend. So that was our first connection. And then years later, um, we got connected 
through both of you or with both of you at Emmanuel College mm -hmm. and um, started a relationship there. Our daughter attended there for a season. Mm -hmm. And somewhere from beyond that, our friendships just continued to develop. And it kind of brings us here today with my deep appreciation for what both of you do, not only in your podcast, but in your individual ministries and the places in God's kingdom where he's assigned you. So it's just a real joy to be with you guys today. And I'm honored to be on this part of uh, today's podcast. Thank well, you. thanks, man. Tell us, how did you come to know Christ? And mm -hmm. how did that begin? How did that, your whole faith journey, how did that begin for yeah, you, Shell? Sure. Well, I grew up in a wonderful, loving uh, Christian home. Mom and dad stayed married until dad went to heaven in 2015, and mom followed him a couple years later. Uh, saw love and commitment and devotion uh, to one another, which was founded upon their devotion and commitment to Christ. And so we grew up going to church. I uh, was raised in um, Southern Baptist churches as a, as a kid, and I can still remember now. I'm 59 years old, but what I'm Man, about you're to You're knocking describe, on the door to yeah, greatness yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I'm going to describe now goes back 52 years ago. I was seven years of age, and our family was attending First Baptist Church of West Monroe, Louisiana. I didn't know this at the time, but discovered it later. First Baptist of West Monroe was one of the early mega churches, at least in northern Louisiana where we lived, before mega churches were a thing. And I can remember walking the aisle of First Baptist Church on a Sunday morning and shaking the hand of Dr. Clifton Tennyson, who was a giant physically, probably six, four, six, five, perhaps. As a kid, he looked like he was about eight feet tall, but a giant of a man. Not only physically, but spiritually, pastored that church well and led them to through tremendous growth. And I can remember shaking his hand and telling him I wanted to place my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I remember, uh, I get a little teared up, you'll have to forgive me, because it's such an important time in my life. I can remember meeting with him in his office and talking about the significance of water baptism. I can remember walking into the baptistry, and there was Dr. Tennyson standing in those duck waders that he had on to <laughs> protect his suit pants and his dress shirt. I can remember being baptized 52 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, still makes an impression uh, on my life. Wow. I then sadly also remember that as I got into my teen years, my relationship with Christ was not nearly as important as it was when I was seven. Yeah. Uh, began struggling and stumbling along the way, but all the while, parents loving me and caring for me. I, I can remember, uh, um, don't remember what day of the week it was, but getting up and my dad was sitting on the front porch of our home working on something, and as I sat down next to him, it was well on into the day when I got up. And I can just remember him looking at me with tears in his eyes. And he said, son, do you have a, I need to ask you something. Do you have a drinking problem? And I said, oh, no, dad. No, I just, he said, well, I saw that trash can by your bed when I checked on you. And I said, yeah, I just had a little too much to drink. And, and uh, he said, son, I'll sell everything I have to get you the help you need. Mm -hmm. And I didn't make a habit of lying. I, I really feel like the truth's our best option. But yeah. that was one time that I remember lying to my dad. Mm. And that kind of set things in motion with that probing question and seeing the heartbreak in my dad's eyes um, mm. and remembering that, uh, you know, son, you were, you were raised differently than this. Alcohol was not a part of our home. Oh, I maybe remember two or three times at a crawfish bowl that we had in the backyard. I might see my dad with a beer in his hand. But it just wasn't a part of our life. But I had made it a huge part of my life. And uh, that really broke my dad. And that, I think, is something that God used as a catalyst 
So now I'm graduating high school, and I met a young lady in high school uh, by the name of Missy. And she and I went out on my graduation night, May 22nd of 1981, for the first time. And we've now been married 37 years. We dated for about five years, uh, been married now for 37 years. But it was Missy who grew up in, in, uh, in the church by herself, basically. Her, none of, nobody in her family went to church, and so she would have a, one of her three older brothers, her middle brother, would drop her off at church and then come back and pick her up. Uh, but when she spent the summers with her grandparents, both sets of grandparents were actively involved in church. And so during the summers, uh, she would get saved at one grandmother's church <laughs> one way, and she'd get saved at the other grandmother's church in another way. And I'm not even going to get into all those theological differences, but they were just, they both believed very differently. And you had to get, anyway. And so she made decisions for Christ every summer in both churches and went to summer camps, all these things. Well, we began uh, being invited by my father to go to a Friday night gospel singing at an Assembly of God church, not far from where I grew up. And I'd seen the church driving by, but didn't know anything about it. And uh, Missy and I weren't weren't going to church on Sunday. So the thought of going to church on a Friday night was completely off our radar screen. We had a lot of other things we were doing on Friday night, and church was not one of them. <laughs> but Dad was persistent. He kept invited. So one day... We agreed, well, look, let's just go and kind of get this over. We'll check that box off. Well, we got there and discovered that quite a few of the young people in our high school went to that church, and they began to invite us to come back. So we did. So now we're at February the 7th, 1982, and Pastor Gerald Lewis, who is still pastoring that church today, he's been there over 50 years, Wow! gave the altar call, and Missy and I went to the altar on February the 7th, 1982, and recommitted our lives to Christ. And it just became the turning point for us. We haven't lived perfectly since then, but we've lived forgiven since then. And so those two dates, uh, I don't remember the date when I was seven, Mm -hmm. that Sunday, but seven years of age, and then uh, at uh, February the 7th, 1982, those are are hinge points in my faith journey. And Missy's, well, Missy's on February the 7th. And then just a few years later, I began to sense that God might be calling me into ministry. And I didn't even know what that meant, really. I didn't grow up in it. Nobody hanging in my family tree, to my knowledge, has ever been in vocational ministry. Now, there are a lot of people in my family tree that need to be hung for different reasons, but uh, (laughs) that's a different story for another day. Gotcha. But So I couldn't go to Dad and say, tell me, how did you sense the call of God on your life, and how did you prepare? So I went to my pastors and my youth pastors and uh, just began to watch them and and see that they loved God and they loved serving people. And So there was this growing awareness, and I was working for my father for a while, I'd worked for a few years with Coca-Cola in Louisiana in management and uh, just got to the place to where I said, this is what I know God wants me to do. So Missy and I got married June 21st, 1986. We went on our honeymoon, and the next Sunday we started in ministry. So we've wow. been married and in ministry now for 37 years and have served, Dr. Reynolds, as you mentioned, a few churches in Louisiana and uh, now two in Georgia over these 37 years and have been so grateful for what God has allowed mm-hmm. us to do. Um, got two wonderful adult kids. Our son, S.J. for Shell Jr., is married to Tina, and they have three amazing grandkids that they've given to us. And our daughter, Summer, I mentioned her earlier, mm-hmm. got what married. What a voice. Yeah. What a voice. Yeah, she is I mean, like an angel. her name and I yeah. think about her voice. <laughs> 
Summer got married uh, May of 2021, and we immediately got two bonus granddaughters uh, from her husband, Gary, who has primary awesome. custody. And uh, all of them are involved in our local church at Life Church. You serve in different ways and have helped us and labored with us. So they live close geographically, and we're deeply involved with all their lives. They're all coming over tomorrow night to celebrate missing, kind of late for Mother's Day uh, at the time of this recording. But uh, we're really close and love our kids and our grandkids. And uh, Summer and Gary have taken in a young lady from our church, uh, at least temporarily through fostering mm. this young lady. And uh, so we kind of have six grandkids now. And we're just thrilled by what we see God doing in their lives. And mm. uh, we're grateful to be a part of uh, the story that he's writing in them and through them as well. Mm. Beautiful. Thank well, you so much. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, tell me, how did you get to Georgia? Okay. Yeah, what was, I mean, you sure. know, I, 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 I would think you got... I was saved early. I met my wife, and then I came to Georgia. Those are pretty significant. <laughs> yeah, there were a few things that took place in between all of that. Yeah. But in coming home from our honeymoon and starting in ministry, I served part-time at that particular church for about a year and a half. And then a, a dear friend was preaching a, a youth rally. Multiple churches had gotten together. And at the end of that event, I went up to him and said, hey, I'd like to talk with you about being the speaker at a um, – we were having a youth retreat in the fall of that. That year. And as we're talking, and I only knew him briefly, he was the state youth director for the Assemblies of God in Louisiana at the time, Gary Sapp. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to Gary about this fall retreat, and he looks at me and he snaps his fingers and he said, Shell, have you ever felt like God was going to lead you serving full-time in ministry? I know you work for your dad full-time in his business and at the church. And I said, yes, sir. I said, I, I feel like that's going to happen one day. He said, well, my dad's looking to hire a youth pastor right now. Would you be open to talking to him? I said, well, sure. So we had a conversation, Dr. Leonard Sapp and I did, and he ultimately hired me. And six months later on Easter Sunday morning, he announced his retirement. Uh, he hadn't told anybody, including his wife. And kind of processed that for a minute, <laughs> yeah. or the board, or anybody. Oh, and so all of a sudden, six months into this, uh, our pastor retires. Well, the, the pastor that wound up following him, Phil Stevens, was coming off the mission field in Mexico. And Missy and I had the privilege of serving with Phil and Debbie Stevens for about uh, another year and a half or so. And I got a call from Roger Brumbelo, Pastor Brumbelo down in New Orleans. And through Gary Sapp's connection, he was looking for a youth pastor. And so wound up interviewing with him, wound up serving there for five years. And I've been so grateful for every pastor that I served. The first one was uh, Pastor Max Phipps, and then there was Dr. Leonard Sapp and Pastor Phil Stevens, and now Pastor Roger Brumbelow. <laughs> Something unique happened that I discovered that may not always happen, but it happened for us. And that is to say that not only had God called us to a place, but God has called God had called us to a person. <laughs> Many times in ministry, uh, it seems like people feel very much called to a city or to a church, but we sensed all of a sudden that there was something different here, and God had called us to a person, and that is the persons of Pastor Roger and Becky mm-hmm. Brumbelow. So we're now serving with them in New Orleans for about five years, and somewhere along the journey later in that five-year period, a church in Decatur, Georgia, 
and, and Pastor Mumlow had actually grown up in Georgia, started reaching out to him, expressing interest that he would perhaps become their next pastor. And so he mentioned it to me. We were really close with things like that. And I said, come on, let's go. I'm, I'm throwing myself in the moving truck. And he said, <laughs> no, I just don't feel like it's, it's that what God has, not now. Well, that kind of went on for several months until finally he said, I need to let you know. I, I have sent them my resume, and they, they want to fly me out and have an interview. And so he comes out, and they actually ask him, you know, could they present him as a candidate is the way this works in most assemblies of God churches. So he told me, he said, Shell, listen, I'm going to go out, and, you know, if I'm elected and if I accept it, he said, I want you and Missy to move to Atlanta to join with us on my staff there. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to need to pray about it. Okay. <laughs> and I just, we had already been praying about it, dreaming about it, and just knew that not only had God called us to the place of New Orleans, but to the persons of Roger and Becky Brumbelow. And so we had the privilege of moving and joining their staff and stayed there for about eight years. And then he was elected as our district superintendent, kind of like the bishop or overseer for the Assemblies of God in Georgia. And the position of the state youth director was open, and the guy he asked to serve that uh, John Fennell was pastoring the church where I am now. So that's what created the vacancy. Mm-hmm. So as Pastor Brumlow went to the district office in 2003, John Fennell goes there as the state youth director. That, again, created the vacancy. And then through some connections, I interviewed with the board. They presented me, and I was elected on August the 17th, 2003. So it's just celebrating 20, about to celebrate 20 years of being there. And it's a strong, healthy church when I got there. Yes, and yes. the Lord has been just giving us grace and favor over these 20 years, and so just honored to be there. It's hardly just even imaginable that I'm admitting it's been 20 years. It's gone by so quickly, but we're grateful, grateful, grateful. Thank you for being faithful and enduring the journey. Um, We've got a few more minutes in this first uh, interview with you. Uh, Tracy and I just want to hear some of your um, just some of your heart about why you are still doing this. Yeah, so many pastors have given up now. Right, they're worn out. It's not. It's not an easy journey. Yeah, uh, but give us some some healthy suggestions and thoughts um, on how you're able to yeah. endure this and make a positive well, thank difference. You. I think some of that comes from my upbringing in my home, seeing the faithfulness of a mom and dad seeing their love for one another, their love for Christ, their love for their three boys, and not seeing them quit on things, I think was probably instilled from an early age. I've been involved in athletics throughout middle, uh, well, what they used to call junior high. Y'all kind of remember those days. Now it's middle school. So athletics in in middle school and high school, and then I had an opportunity to, uh, was granted a, a scholarship to a junior college in East Texas, which I declined. That's a whole other story. I uh, felt like I needed to do something else in life. But I think being a part of athletic teams mm-hmm. builds within you um, uh, a desire not to quit, even when you're behind on the score. Sure. You still know there's a chance maybe to bring this thing out. So uh, Pastor Chris, I think just some of life's experiences have built into me a desire not to quit. But then the men of God with whom I had the privilege yeah. of serving, watching them endure, and I, I never knew all that they endured. You know, as staff members, we're usually shielded from most of the things that our pastors are going through, mm-hmm. but just occasionally might get a glimpse into a challenge. Uh, we saw Becky Brumelow battle breast cancer seven times. 
and never quit. And even when mm-hmm. she closed her eyes here, she opened them in God's presence forever. So she's still a she's still mm-hmm. a winner. But we saw them walk through challenges and people coming and people going. And so we kind of knew that that's just a part of the journey and part of ministry and part of life. But I think a lot of things that God used to help instill within us the the importance of not quitting mm-hmm. and uh, wanting to see things happen. You know, our community in Smyrna is comprised of about 57,000 people, but it's absorbed into the entire Atlanta metro. Right. But we're close enough that you can rub shoulders with people really, really easily. And one of the things that's so important is to remember that a huge part of our community either doesn't have a relationship with Christ or they're not well connected with a local church. Mm-hmm. And so much of what drives us is that desire to see somebody come to faith in Christ or to connect with a local church. And until that job's finished, our job's not finished. And so it just mm-hmm. compels us to keep going another day and through another moment, push through another challenge because we all have them, whether it's personal challenges or church challenges or financial challenges, there's still something yet to be done on the other side of that challenge. We see it throughout scripture. There are no victories without battles, and it's the same way in life. So um, we're honored that we've been able to be there for those 20 years. John Fennell, my predecessor, served there for five years, but his father, Harris Fennell, served there for 31 years. Mm -hmm. So I followed, and I said this in their presence, by the way, and I say it respectfully, a 36-year father-son dynasty. Men that led well, served well, created healthy church environments. And so there's a pattern in our church. In our 70-year history, there have only been six pastors. One of them was there 31, his son there five, and now I've been there 20 years. And so our church historically has had good, solid leadership that were there for extended periods of time. And so there's a real cultural environment that kind of breeds itself to saying, okay, from the congregational standpoint, all right, maybe we don't agree with that decision, but you know what? That's our pastor, and he's going to be our pastor on the other side of this decision. So there's no built-in, this guy's gone just because we don't disagree. There's a warmth and an affirming and an acceptance of the pastoral leadership that I think makes it even easier to stay. They're amazing people. Well, I love listening to you talk about this. This is Amen. nice, isn't it, Tracy? Thank you so much. And, uh, so we want to have you back again for next it week's podcast. Yeah. And uh, we want to talk about it's not good for leaders to lead alone. Yeah. We want to talk about your book. And I also want to talk about um, the relationships you have with your community. Oh, your community partnerships, yeah. Your yeah. local church. But oh, it just makes me want to cry thinking about Love it. it. So, Love it. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it, that in the, in the next conversation we have yeah. with you. And we're all learning in this adventure yes, of are. life. We're trying to, to find ways to make our next steps our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, a weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you joined us. You can find us on your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Tracy Vennell's new book, Second Chair Leadership, How to Serve, Thrive, and Lead from Where You Play, is available now at ctracyvennels.com or Amazon. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Services, is available now at chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their musical releases at casualamericans.com or your favorite music supplier. We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey. 
conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.